0: Amen. How great Thou art. That's certainly, certainly true. And good to see you again tonight. And uh, it uh, feels like fall outside now, doesn't it? And I tell you what. Yesterday was one of those real warm days, and then uh, today is back to like fall-like weather. And so I enjoy the fall. I enjoy the cool evenings and the and the warm days. And so anyway. Take your Bibles tonight, and if you would, I want you, once again, uh, to go to the book of Romans, chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and we're going to go there, and Romans chapter number 12. I'm gonna get my butterfly out here and all the other stuff that goes along. So, here we go. All right, and Romans chapter 12, and, you know, uh, I was reminded uh, the uh, little girl who, uh, she went to church. Her mother uh, was sick, and she couldn't go to church, so she sent her little girl on to church and so that she could uh, be there on Sunday. And so the little girl came home uh, after church, and Mama said to her, Honey, what did the preacher preach on today? And she said, uh, mm, uh, Well, Mama, he preached on uh don't be scared, your quilt is coming. And she said, he preached on what? Well, he said, he preached on don't be scared, your, your, your quilt's coming. And so she said, are you sure? Yeah, something like that. And so the preacher came by to check on her later on in the week, and had prayer with her, and he got ready to leave, and the mama said, oh, by the way, Pastor, what did you preach on Sunday? He said, oh, I preached on fear not, the comforter cometh. <laughs> uh, only, only through a child, amen. Uh, I, we took our niece to, to church with us, and a uh, little bitty thing, we, we started taking her with us. And uh, she came out one day, and she said to me, Uncle Joe, she said, uh, let's sing the Shirley song. And I said, the what? And she said, let's sing the Shirley song. And I said, Shirley, I don't know. Shirley, where'd you sing this? We sing it in Sunday school all the time. I said, the Shirley song? Yes, Uncle Joe, the Shirley song. Don't you know it? I said, well, I guess I don't. I don't know. I said, well, maybe you better sing a little of it for me. She said, okay. Surely soon, oh yes, surely soon. Jesus is coming, surely soon. (laughs) You'd have to be from Kentucky to understand that. But anyway, Uh, Romans 12, I better quit while I'm ahead, amen. (laughs) Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 again we're going to read that we're going to go through the, the chapter this week but we're, we're, we're up to this place now we're going to go ahead remember this morning we set the stage the these group of Roman believers are in a time similar to our days okay I think we can put it that way and you'll you'll understand that and then in these chapters, uh, he, he uh, the apostle Paul, he deals with the fact of their justification, those that are saved, and and he and deals with that assurance of their salvation and how they're justified. And then he goes on and talks to them there in chapter six, in the sense of the fact that uh, uh, you know they need to offer their members. Uh, to be uh, used for righteousness and for the service of the Lord. Chapter 7, he in that chapter deals with the fact of how our flesh battles us, and sometimes the things we need to do, we don't do, and the things we don't need to do, we do, and it's a constant battle. Chapter 8, he tells us we're more than conquerors. We're we're victors. He's trying to tell these people, as a Christian, you can do what God wants you to do, and you can be victorious. See, we, we have a world that's all around us that's continually trying to tell us, you can't do that. You can't do that when it comes to serving God, but we can. Uh, through the Lord, and he's assuring these believers of, of what they can do, that they're victorious, and then he shares his burden for Israel and how that uh, his heart's desire is that they would be saved. And then in the chapter preceding this, he's reminding those Gentiles that he calls himself the apostle to the Gentiles in, in the fact of how they've experienced the mercy of God. And so as a result, and and the grafting that has taken place, and so that's there. Chapter 12, we come to this place now, and here's what he says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, bless our time in your word tonight. Lord, do that which you alone can do. Speak to hearts, Lord. Help us, Lord, each one, Lord, to uh, to listen carefully. As the Holy Spirit uses your word in our hearts, and Lord, help us each one to allow you to work in us and on us, that God, you might be able to work through us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here we have this place, the word of trans. Form Being transformed. I told you it comes from the Greek word metamorpho, which means metamorphosis. It means to be changed, to become something different, to be changed. And so uh, we use that word in talking about butterflies. And so that's why I have, as I begin to consider this word and how it was used, and Paul was talking about it here, uh, that uh, he says we're not to be conformed. Now, 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 to be conformed means to be shaped like something. Uh, I don't have it with me. I didn't bring it, but a lot of times I use a Play-Doh set for this. It's a sanctified Play-Doh set. I don't play with it. I just use it for preaching. But, but it's, a, it, it's got that mold that you can press the Play-Doh down in. And you know what? If you put a piece of Play-Doh in there and you press it down into that mold, did you know what? Every time you're going to come out with the same shape because what it does is that pressure conforms it to that shape that is around it. And so uh, he says, look, we're not to let the world conform us. Uh, He's saying to these believers in Rome, all this wickedness is going on, but understand, Be not conformed to this world. Don't conform to their way of thinking. Don't shape your life after them. Uh, You're not to do that, but you're to be transformed, which means to be changed. And so he's telling us we need to be changed. And so the same thing is different, I mean, the same thing, excuse me, is true today as it was back then. We don't need to be conformed to the world, we need to be transformed. We need to be changed. We need to be different than the word. Don't let that word scare you. It's okay. And we're to be different. Amen. And so as a result, he, he's trying to tell them, let this metamorphosis spiritually take place in your life. So let, let's start, first of all, when this butterfly, it's 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 being born okay and this is an egg of a butterfly that the previous generation will lay on a uh, milkweed and so as a result, they'll lay those eggs, and I told you this one is many times magnified, of course, so you can see it, but they lay it on that milkweed because that milkweed is what's gonna be their sustenance. That's what's gonna be their food. And so as a result, they, they emerge out of the egg, and when they come out of the egg because of that birth, uh, they come out a caterpillar, okay? So so stage one, this may be considered stage one, and this might be stage two, but we're kind of putting them together here. And Paul's saying, because you've been born again, because you've been saved, there's a change that's to be taking place in your life. I mean, it should be happening, and it should be taking place after a person gets saved, inwardly, there should be some changes that's taking place. Amen. You see, there's going to be a lot, there's going to be several things that's going to happen in this caterpillar before it becomes this butterfly. And so here we find this caterpillar. Now, this and as we look at the passage of Scripture, he's talking about this transformation is going to come. He says here in verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present uh, in order for this. Transformation to happen, we've got to be willing. We've got to present. There's things that we must present to be changed in order that it can take place. And so that's very important. And one of the first things is presenting your body. He says here uh in, in verse number one: present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now you know what? Hey, we use our bodies in sin before we got saved. And now he's saying, now that you are saved, you should present your bodies to the Lord. That's what Paul's saying. You should present your bodies. Uh, we could go over, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said this. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Know that you're not your own. You've been Fought with the price. Therefore, we're to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. You see, when we got saved, hey, when we got saved, it was because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And we no longer own ourselves, but we belong to him. Yeah, we belong to him. Why? Because he paid the price. Otherwise, you and I would be lost forever and we would, uh, we would all, all be in hell forever. So he, he bought us, and he paid for us with his own shed blood on the cross of Calvary, and we need to use our bodies and surrender our bodies to the Lord. And it, it's very important. As a, he gives us a, a, a picture here, as a living sacrifice. Now, wait a minute. We think about that, and we think, A living sacrifice. Because most of the time, when we think about sacrifices, let's be honest, we think about something killed and offered on an altar. But you know, there's two living sacrifices
1: in the Bible. One of them is Isaac. He laid down willingly on the altar, and he was ready to be
0: sacrificed. But God stopped Abraham and put a ram instead of Isaac and he lived the other one's our savior amen he did die and he was buried but glory be to God he is living he is a living sacrifice amen he was sacrificed on the cross of Calvary for your sins and mine but he is alive. he said I want you to be a living sacrifice do you know what here's a question a lot of people say they'll ask this question sometimes would you be willing to die for Jesus would you be willing to die for the Lord have you ever heard anybody ask that? Have you ever thought about it yourself? You know, uh, uh, we hear about martyrs and we read about them and we say, hey, would, would we be willing to
1: die? Uh, but you know what? I'll tell you something that's harder. It's to live for him and
0: day-to-day sacrifice. Amen. Died for him, it's over. But to live for him means every day, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ nevertheless. I live, but not the life that I now live. Hey, it's through Jesus. It's through Christ that's in him. And so as a result, he's saying this, hey, we need to realize that we need to sacrifice ourselves and our service to him and live for him every day, every day, to wake up and say, look, hey, this is not my body. It belongs to the Lord. What am I going to do with it today? Not my hands, not my feet. They belong to him. What am I going to do with them today? Lord, hey, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. And and I don't want to get ahead of myself again because we're going to see that as we we get in here. But he's saying that our bodies, number one, need to be presented to him. In Romans 6.13, as I mentioned, they're to be instruments of righteousness. We use these hands to do right with. We use these hands to help others with. We use these feet to go where he wants us to go. And he tells us to go into all the world. And so our bodies to be instruments of righteousness and there to be living sacrifices. And we can go to many verses throughout the word of God telling how that we need to use
1: our bodies for the glory of God. Now, remember the Romans. They worshiped the body.
0: They did that the human uh, body in Rome was glorified. But our body is not to bring any glory to ourselves. It's to bring glory to the Lord. And it's his to be used for what he wants it to be used for and in the right way. That's why Paul said we're not to defile this body because it belongs to God. We're not to defile the temple of the Lord. And that means that we're willing to use our bodies in a, he says here, look what he says in, in, in the rest of that, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Holy, remember, the word holy, that's, that's a Bible word, and God expects his people to be Holy. To live a holy life, a separated life that is like Christ. Be ye holy as I am holy. And so we find, he said, when we offer our bodies, we are to offer them as a sacrifice by being holy and living a holy life for the Lord. And he says, in that is involved, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Isn't it amazing? God does not ask of us anything unreasonable. He just says the reasonable service. You know what? He
1: gives, us, he gives us seven days a week to live. And he says, I only want
0: you to recognize that one day is a day that belongs to the Lord. Sunday, first day of the week now for us. That's not unreasonable. That's not unreasonable at all. He says, hey, I I want you to serve me by giving. I want you to tithe. (laughs) Uh, I'll give you nine and you give me 10. That's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable. I can stay there if we could go down a long line of things that God says hey I want you to do and and as a result he said our reasonable service and Jesus uh, was our uh, example of uh, while he was here and he says that we're to be a a living that word uh, present is a verb and it means to present once for all It means when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we don't take them back. We don't take them back. Lord, I'm going to commit my way to you today, but tomorrow I'm going to do what I want to do. That's not commitment. That's not presentation as it's used here. It means it's presented to him to do what he wants with. It's his. And we, we don't take it back and do what we want with it. We're surrendered. We're yielded to him. And so presenting your body. So he says, present the body. Do you know what? Hey, look, this caterpillar right here comes out of that egg and he comes out a caterpillar. But this caterpillar, in order to become a butterfly, he's going to have to yield this body. He's going to have to, he's going to have to yield control in what's going to happen to this body in order to be changed because it's, it's going to be miraculously changed. Amen. And if we want to be changed and we want to see that change, it means we yield our bodies to him. And so now the second thing we need, not only present our body, look in, in verse number 2, he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so now we find that we're to present our mind. Amen. And, and, and so, hey, uh, that's our, our, our thinking and our, our mental ability to su- su- surrender our minds. Now, you say, how do we do that? Start filling them with the word of God. Now, here's where it comes in. This little caterpillar right here You know what he, when he is born, you know what his number one function is in the beginning stages of his life? Eat. That's it. I mean, he crawls, not a whole lot, but he eats. From the time that egg is hatched on that milkweed, he starts to eat that leaf that he's on. And that milkweed has everything in it to nourish him and bring him to the place where he can... Transform and be changed, and so he is a voracious eater if you've seen them in a caterpillar men they they can eat pretty quick and so as a rule this is, happens to be a, a monarch caterpillar and, and that monarch he gets out there and so I, I kind of I did a little research just to find out and it said, imagine this: imagine a seven pound baby eating 1,400 pounds of formula in a two-week period. I mean, a seven-pound baby eating (laughs) all that formula in two weeks. I mean, that sounds like, hey, that couldn't happen. And, and not humanly speaking here, when he ha- but this thing will increase his weight many times over from the time he comes out of that tiny egg, and he and he starts eating from the moment he does, in order to grow to the place that the transformation can take place. So here, here's what I want you to know: Hey, when a person gets saved, you know the the, the number one thing uh, they they of course need to confess the Lord and get baptized. They need to get in a local church, and then I'm going to tell you what they need to do. They need to start eating. You say, what do you mean eating? I'm talking about spiritual food. We're talking about spiritual metamorphosis. We're talking about spiritually growing, and there's only one way you can grow spiritually. Glad you asked. Amen? Amen? It's feeding on this book right here, the Word of God and you know what as they begin to feed on that milkweed and they take that milkweed in inside there's a lot of things happening and going on that we can't see but it's preparing for the changes that's going to take place in his life let me tell you what happens sometimes we see somebody get saved but they they don't get in church and they don't get in the word of god and i'll tell you what happens their growth is stunted They can't grow unless they feed. You know what? Every Christian, every Christian, when they get saved, ought to be hungry for the word of God. As a newborn babe, desiring the sincere milk of the word. For him, it's a milkweed, amen? And he gets in that milkweed, and this thing just starts eating. I mean, he just starts eating, and he wants more, and he wants more. And he begins to eat, and he begins to grow. And you know what? He sheds the outer skin, the outer growth. He sheds that several times while he's in this growth stage. Why? Because he's already starting the change process. And by, by staying up with the growth, that's taking place. Well, isn't it great? I tell you what, if you present your minds to let God fill your mind with his word, I'm going to tell you what, you, people will notice that there's a change taking place in your life. You get hungry for the word of God. You know, i, I got to share a testimony. When I got into church and got, got saved and got into church, I had a blind Sunday school teacher. He taught with a Braille Bible. But I tell you what, I'll never forget. After, for a long time, after every Sunday morning class, I had a question for him. I'd go to him and say, now you said this. Now, can you explain that to me exactly? You know, because, well, as a, as a baby Christian, I, I, he said the statement that, well, people didn't know they hadn't seen it rain when it started to rain at Noah's Ark. Well, man, that kind of prompted me to say, well, how did the earth get water?'" And I did not know the Word of God. Like, you know, I had not been in church when I got saved and that. And so I said to him, how how did the earth get watered if it didn't rain? So he took me to Genesis and showed me that there was a mist that came up out of the earth and and watered it. And he, he gave me the answer. And then... this is kind of I guess I shouldn't say this but then he talked about Elijah in another lesson and he said Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah now folks I got to be honest with you the only mantle I ever knew about was one that was over the fireplace and so man in my mind I pictured him going over picking up this wooden board and putting it on his shoulder and I went to him afterwards and I said what's a mantle that Elisha picked up. I thought that was something over the fireplace. And he laughed a little bit, and he said, no, it is. But he said, the man he's talking about here is a cloak or a garment. And you know what? I I went to him at another time, and I said, uh, Brother Holland, I know you get tired of me coming. And here's what he said to me. No, I don't get tired of you coming. He said, because it's a blessing It's a blessing to me when somebody wants to know what the Word of God says. That's why I'm teaching. That's why I'm here. And you know what, folks? Hey, if we're in the Word of God, we're going to have some questions at times. And there's going to be some times that we we continue reading, and, and, and as we read, those questions will be answered. And we'll grow in the Lord. I love to see baby Christians just start getting in the Word of God and start growing. Man, now, what a blessing that is, whatever age they are, that they get in there. And you know what? That, this caterpillar, in order to be ready to change, he just keeps eating. For, I mean, for a two, three week period, he's just out there munching, man. He's going along. He's, he's eating. Now, only, he's doing only two things. He's eating what he needs to change, and he's getting rid of what he doesn't need to change. <laughs> Uh, I think you understand. But here's the thing. Did you know what? In our early growth, it's a matter of getting in the Word of God and finding out what God wants for our life. And then we start knowing things that God's not pleased with in our life, and we're willing to get them out of there. Why? So the change, the transformation can take place. And so that's important. By the way, conformity comes from outside Transformation comes from inside. Just remember that. When the pressures come from outside, that's what the world does. They're always... But when the pressure comes by the Holy Spirit of God on the inside, that's when we need to listen carefully and do what the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is leading in our life. And so... But we do that by feeding on the Word of God. If you feed on the Word of God... It's going to do a work on the inside of you. And it's going to cause you to start growing. And it's going to cause you to start reaching out even more as you look forward to what God has in store for you and do that. So he said, present your bodies. And then he said, present your mind uh, as well. And so we need to present our bodies, present our mind. God uses his word to transform our minds by reading, studying, memorizing, and obeying the word of God. Oh, boy, over and over again, we're told to meditate on the word of God we're to study to show ourselves approved. We're to feed upon it. Joshua was told by Moses, don't depart from it to the right hand or the left hand, but just do according to the Word of God. And, and, and that we're encouraged of the whole Psalm 119 is about the Word of God. And so how we need to be in the Word of God. And the more we get in the Word of God, the more we're going to grow as a Christian. Because the more we learn about him, the more we love him. And the more we love him, the more we're willing to do for him. Amen. And so we find, hey, it's presenting your body, and then he says, present your minds. Present your mind. That your minds may may be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, That means to, hey, listen, to renovate the way we think. Change the way we think. Now, uh, my dad, but before he got saved, my dad thought, his basic thought, any time you talked about church, you know what his statement would be? Well, the only thing they're interested in is your money. That, that was my, he was lost. He was unsaved. But praise God, he got saved. And you know what? He realized, hey, that was not what it was all about. And he got involved in serving the Lord and working on a bus route. And you know, hey, because it changed his way of thinking. It just has a way of doing that so that we don't think the way the world thinks, we think the way God wants us to think. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, he gives us a mind filter on whatsoever things, and he gives us that list of those things that are good and virtuous and a good report, and he tells us, think on these things. You see, keep our mind in the way that Christ would want it to be. Guard, let me say this, by presenting our mind to God, it also means we guard or protect our mind from the world.
1: You know what? Every deed starts with a thought, one thought.
0: That's why we're told, and Paul again said that we're to capture, we're to take those thoughts and bring them captive that are thoughts that shouldn't be in our mind. It means arrest them. It means stop them right there. Don't let them go any further and say, look, I don't need this thought in my mind. I need to think like Christ wants me to think. I don't want that thought there anymore. Why? Because if you allow that thought to stay there, it'll create before long a desire, and that will lead to an action, and, so, and that leads to sin. And so we need to be careful about our thinking. That's why we ought to guard our mind. We present our mind to the Lord, not to the world. You know, the world's out for every one of our minds. It's just it. They are. You can't do anything without... The world has some way to try to put a thought in your mind. You can drive down the road, and some billboards are very suggestive in their advertisements and the way they are. If you look at anything on TV, you better be careful. Man, that's sending messages and and ideals into our brain, or whether it's the Internet or whether it's a phone or wherever. Hey, it starts with the mind. And so he says here, the renewing of your mind. The, the renovating of your mind in order that it's thinking like Christ wants it to think. And again, it only happens as you stay in the Word of God. Just feed, feed, feed. Well, it's church time of good. I get, I get to go eat. Amen. We Baptists are known for eating. Amen. Amen. We know that fellowship, when we say we're having fellowship, you know what that really means, right? Food. We're having food. But you know what? Hey, isn't it great? It also means this. It should mean to every one of us. It means an opportunity to hear the Word of God and to get in the Word of God and to be fed spiritually. To be fed spiritually. And so we find here, he says, presenting your mind that it may be renewed in this transformation that's taking place. And then he says this in the last part of verse 2 there, that ye may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Now, it's said that our mind controls our body, and our body controls our will sometimes. And so as a result, you know, a lot of people use the term willpower. I can do it by my willpower. But usually we fail when we try to do it by our power whether it be by our will or not. It's only when we're willing to present and yield ourselves to God's will that he will give us the willpower, and as I call it, the won't power. That means the things that I will do that he wants me to do, but there's some things I won't do because he doesn't want me to do them. And so as a result, it's by the willpower that he gives us by surrendering our will. And one of the ways this is done is by surrender and by our prayer life and yielding to Christ. Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. You know what? Every one of us has an old stubborn will, some more than others. Amen. Now, be careful who that person is sitting next to if you say amen, all right? But we all do. We all do. It's, a, it's an old nature that's in there, it's the flesh, and it wants to have its way. Maybe you've already come to that place that, man, you don't have trouble with that, but I, I can almost just promise you every one of us have trouble when our old flesh wants to tell us what to do. It may have been this morning. It may have been this morning, or it may be in the morning. Alarm clock goes off, and your flesh says, I'm tired. You don't want to get up. You don't, you don't want to go. You don't want to go to church. You don't need to go to church. That's a flesh talking. And, and, and you know what's It's trying to convince us, hey, listen, have your own will. Do it your way. And so as a result, if we're not careful, we can yield to our will instead of God's will and letting the Lord have his way in our life. We have a stubborn will. And it's only when we're willing to yield and surrender that will to God that we'll see that transformation coming along like you see that caterpillar, he's got it. he's he's eating and he's eating and he's munching and man, he's he's just he's going at it because he's looking forward to what's going to take place in his life. And, and, and he, he, it's, it's inside of him, and it's made in there, that he's got a purpose, and he's got a, a, a reason that he's there. And so he's eating, and, and in order that he can be ready for this transformation and this change that's going to do this and turn him into the butterfly. And so as a result, he has that, and, but...
1: If he gets stubborn and just decides, eh, who cares whether I become a butterfly or not? I don't feel
0: like doing any of that anymore. I don't want to eat. He ain't going to get changed. He's going to die. That's what he's going to do. And so as a result, he, he, you know, and I, I, I got I to got throttle back. The chrysalis stage that we're going to go into, man, when that change miraculously takes place in that chrysalis or cocoon, as some would call it, it takes place. You can't see it necessarily with the eye and what's going on, but you've got to understand all that is being prepared for in this stage right here. He's doing it by his willingness to just prepare and, and set himself to that place of doing what must be done. And, you know, that's true of us. We've got to be willing to say, Lord, I submit myself to you. I yield my body. I yield my mind. Uh, Lord, I yield my will. It's not my will, but your will be done in my life. Lord, it's not what I want, but, Lord, it's what you want. And, and that stubborn will. You know, uh, every child, at times when they're a small child, exhibit that, that stubborn will. Some have strong wills. I don't know if any of you have ever had strong-willed children or not, but we have. We've got five children. And my oldest daughter had one of those strong wills. She was a very strong-willed child. And we knew that before she was very old, and we knew we've got... Hey, it can be good in a child if it's channeled in the right direction. But if it's left alone, it can be disastrous. So I, I, don't, I, I can't remember the exact age she was, probably four four years old or so. And we'd been having issues with dealing with this stubborn, strong will she had. And so it was around the holidays, and my niece had gotten married. And, and so her husband had come, and she hadn't seen her husband before. And he walked in, and, and, and when he walked in, he had a mustache well, she really hadn't seen a mustache much. And, and as a result, uh, they, we're, we're a hugging family. You know, I mean, our name's Decker, but we hug. We're, in, we're from Kentucky. And so we just hug one another. And so uh, that's usually it. So they were saying, well, now this is Debbie's husband, Art. Give him a hug. And she backed off and said, come on, just, this is Art. Give him a hug. And she
1: just backed up. And then she said, I don't like your mustache, it's ugly.
0: (laughs) And her mother and I standing there and I said, did she say what I thought she said? (laughs) She did. I said, Angie, what did you say? I don't like his mustache, it's ugly.
1: I said, Angie, let's go back to the bedroom. I said, you need to say I'm sorry. You need to tell
0: Archer you're sorry. That's not nice what you said. That's not nice at all. And you need to tell him you're sorry.
1: Okay. So we come back out. She just looked at him, folded arms. I said, tell him. I said, Angie, tell him. Angie, if you don't tell him, we're going back in the bedroom. Because now you're not only doing something that's ugly, you're disobeying, and you'll have to get spanking. So we start to the bedroom. My mother's there. I'm at my mother's house when this
0: happens. (laughs) Grandma.
1: (laughs) And my mom says, Joe, what are you going to do? I said, she has to understand. She must apologize. You're not going to spank her. Yes, I am, Mama. My mom had a hard time with that.
0: I took her back. I said, Angie, I said, I don't want to have to do
1: this, but you've disobeyed. I'm going to spank you. And I spanked her. And I said, now you go out and tell Art you're sorry. Angie, tell him. I said, Angie, tell him or we're going back to the bedroom.
0: Now my mom, I'm dealing with my mom again. (laughs) Son, she's, it's all right. She's just a little girl. She doesn't understand. Mom,
1: please, she does understand. We went back to the bedroom. Another spanking, another explanation of why, so she understands. I said, now, she starts crying. This time she's really crying. And I said, do you understand, Angie, what you're doing? Steady. Are you ready then to go and make it right? Yes. We come back out. She's still snubbing. She doesn't fold her arms up this time. And she looks at him and she says, sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. He said, okay, I forgive you. And you know what? My daughter will tell you, she's our oldest daughter, and she's in her forties now, and she'll tell you this that was the day that her will was broken and changed her life. Can I tell you something? There comes a time sometime as a Christian, God says, you're a little too stubborn for your own good. I want you to accept my will for your life. And we say, Dangerous, because those whom he loves, he chastens because of that love. You see, we need to yield our will to him. God wants to be able
0: to bless us, and he loves us. But I'm going to tell you something. Our will and pride sometimes stands in the way of what God wants to do in our life. And cannot tell you, sometimes our will and our pride, it hinders the transformation that God wants in our life because we insist, hey, we don't need to do it God's way. We don't need to feed on the word of God. We don't need to think like God wants us to think. We don't need to yield our will to God's will and do it his way. And it only brings about disaster my friend listen he says here in chapter 1 and 2 I beseech you I beg you I plead with you brethren by the mercies of God only because of the mercy of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service And be not conformed. Don't be pressured by the world to be like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect or complete will of God. Here's what he's saying, and I'll sum it up this way. He's saying this. Look, believers in Rome... Don't let Rome shape you. Hey, have you ever heard the expression, when in Rome? What's the rest of it? Yeah, and that's exactly what Paul is saying they should not do. Don't do as the Romans do. Why? Because they need to see somebody that's been changed. They need to see somebody different. Don't let them fashion you into th- being a, 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 a copy of them. Don't let them pressure you into a Play-Doh mold. You'd be different. You'd be something different. Hey, I live in Kentucky. And we have a Ford Motor plant uh, in Louisville where I used to live. And I'm going to tell you what, they make the small pickup trucks there. And if you go by there, there's a huge lot right now, and and that huge lot is filled with pickup trucks. And can I tell you something? Other than a little different in color, you know what those pickup trucks are exactly alike. You know why? They came off an assembly line, and every one of them has the same parts, and they just paint the body different. They're all alike. They're just put out the same way. There's a place that used to be called Brimner Biscuit Company in Princeton, Kentucky. They make all the cookies and crackers and everything for all the generic brands around. And we've taken tours through there. And you know what? When those cookies come through, they all look exactly alike. And if they don't look exactly alike, there's a lady sitting right there that pulls them off and pitches them in a
1: barrel because, hey, they didn't come out looking like all the other ones. And that's what the world wants. The world wants to make us cookie cutter, so to
0: speak, after the world, to look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world. And listen, that's not what the world needs. They need to see Jesus in us. They need to know what it means to be saved. You'd be surprised how many people outside that door right here in Moore, Oklahoma, or the state of Oklahoma, or the United States does not really know what the word salvation means. They need to see somebody's experienced it. They need to see a change. And those trucks, they're all put out there. (laughs) But man, God don't want us to be cookie cutters. He don't want us to conform to the world. He wants us to be different. There's a plant, it's still around in Indiana, and they make Duesenbergs. How many of you have heard of Duesenbergs? A Duesenberg, (laughs) it's a -a one-of-a-kind handmade car. Duesenbergs are, 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 hey, they seal the hood on the Duesenberg because they're guaranteed, and you don't need to work on them. They'll take care of them. And a Duesenberg, I'm going to tell you what, hey, you, you won't, I'll tell you something about a Duesenberg. You can go to a junkyard, and you can find all kinds of pickup trucks, brother. But I'll tell you one thing you won't find in a junkyard. You will not find a Duesenberg. No. They recently had an older model Duesenberg that sold at auction for like $4 million, four, $4 million million, one one car, because of its uniqueness because it's different, because of the expertise and the work that's been put into it, because it has the stamp of Dusenberg on it, which means one of a kind. Y'all ever heard this expression? They're a doozy. That's exactly where it came from. It means doozy doozy is short for Dusenberg, which means they're one of a kind. They're one of a kind. You know what God wants? God said, I wish my children would just be Duesenbergs. I just wish they'd be a a one-of-a-kind and show the difference and, 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 and not end up in a junkyard somewhere, but continually serving God and being in the service of the Lord. That's what he wants for us. Yeah. Not letting the world push us into their way of thinking. Not letting
1: the world keep us. from glorifying our God,
0: from being. Did you know what they tell us about monarch monarchs? Everyone is different. You say, oh, they look like they're all orange and black. No, their spots are different. Their coloring pattern is different. They say they're all different, just like you and I are different. We don't have the same fingerprints. We're different. And look, the world wants to take that difference away. The world wants us to be like the world. And God says, I don't want you to be like the world. I want you to be transformed.
1: I want you to be changed. So that when people say you, they say, what happened to them? What took place in their life? Uh,
0: They're not the person (laughs) they used to be.
1: They're not that old caterpillar anymore. (laughs) They see a difference and a change. God wants to do it, but it starts with feeding on the Word of God. Eat. You got a Bible reading schedule. You got a time. Uh, yeah, you ought to be at church and
0: hear When the word of God's preached and taught every time But do you have a time yourself For getting in the word of God I'm going to tell you what The devil will fight you tooth and nail To keep you from having one I can tell you that Because I've experienced it myself He wants you to be in the word If you don't have a time Set a time Whether it's morning Whether it's evening Whatever time is best for you And I've had people say this I've had young people come to me and say Brother Decker How much should we read? Well, one verse is better than no verse. Just read consistently. Find you a book. Start reading. You know, if you read 100 verses a day, thereabouts, 100 verses, you can read the New Testament through four times in one year. If you read 100 verses a day, you can read the whole Bible through from January to November. You can read the whole Bible through. Just 100 100 verses, which is not a lot. Usually a couple, three chapters, depending on the length of the chapters. Just get in the Word
1: and watch what happens in your life. Watch the change that takes place. Watch how God uses it to start the transformation, change. Now, this old boy, he's not fully aware of all that's ahead of him, but he's just eating like there's no tomorrow because there's going to be something transformed. Man, inside, outside,
0: changes going all over the place. We're going to go on down, and we're going to look this week. We're going to see this transformation be, be complete. And Paul in chapter 12 here gives us those stages and those things that will be changed and should be changed in our lives that we're going to be looking at as it takes place. And this week you can look and say, where am I?
1: What stage of my life as a Christian am I in right now? And hopefully you're saved. If you're not, you can be saved. Are you in the Word of God feeding and eating? Are you separated and yielded and submitted to the Lord? Oh,
0: there's so much in this chrysalis. I can't. I can't. Ooh, I, it's hard to hold back. See, because I know what's coming and what's
1: taking place in this chrysalis. It's just so much in order that it comes out like you see. see any similarities? Not really. Just colored black, some black in there. But the rest of him, hmm, hard to believe he's in there. This is in here, but there's a way to get it out. That's what we're going to continue to look at. But tonight, about the mind.
0: It's about the body. It's about the yielding of our will to God. What's God want you to do? What's he speaking to your heart about tonight? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord? Yes. Are you willing to say, Lord, here's my life. Lord, I yield it. I submit. Hey, I, I, I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. Lord, I, I, I don't want to have my way. Lord, I want to submit to your way. Lord, I want you to change me. I want people to be able to see who I belong to. I want them to
1: see your stamp upon me rather than the world's stamp. May God help us to want to be transformed. Metamorphosis. Changed. Changed. The word's only used a few places in the Word of God. Well, look at them. But oh. What needs to be changed in your lifetime?